0: You start to question your value. You start to question yourself
1: for it. The more money you got, the more successful you are, and most people really do buy into that. But really, I just needed a break. What I love is helping people. I'm Julie Bauke, and welcome to The Evolved Career, a podcast where we help you determine what truly does matter most to you and how it can have a profound impact on your life. Today, I am thrilled to have Dr. Janice Hilliard of Hilliard Creative Education and Development Solutions as my guest on The Evolved Career. Welcome, Janice.
0: Well, hi there, Julie. It's good hearing from you again. Oh, my
1: gosh, I know. You have had such an interesting career, and we connected back, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when you were working for the NBA, and we're going to get to that, but the the sum total of your career is fascinating to me. To me, you represent what it truly means to have an evolved career. So let's jump right in. So I read your bio, which is filled with all kinds of wonderful titles and all kinds of things that you've done and places in your life that you pivoted. But if I had to, as I look at it, as I had to summarize your career, I thought it's two words, athlete development. Would that be accurate?
0: That is absolutely accurate, yes.
1: Yes, so we can take everything you've done, we're saying this is the core of who you are. Now take me back to when you're 18 years old and you are a basketball player, obviously, in high school and you have these opportunities to go play college ball. What was going on back then?
0: Wow, that's really been a long time.
1: (laughs) I think you can summon it, come on.
0: For taking me back, because when when I grew up, uh, really small town in central Texas, and basketball and sports were really big in my community, and I started playing basketball in seventh grade. Uh, By the time I got to high school, I didn't really know anything about basketball and college sports and athletics, but I did hear that there were scholarships that were available for girls to go to college. And uh, believe it or not, I'm going to age myself or date myself. Uh, There there wasn't an NCAA for women's uh, sports by the time I graduated high school, which was only five years after Title IX. Mm. So since there were no scholarships, my brothers actually drove me around the state of Texas to try out. Oh, wow. We actually went to schools, the University of Texas. We went to Southwest Texas State in San Marcos, which is now Texas State University. We drove around to different schools. The University of Houston is where I ended up and ended up uh, accepting the scholarship uh, to you of age. So didn't know much about college sports, uh, basketball in particular, was fortunate that doctor, uh, that Coach Woodfin at the University of Houston gave me a scholarship and the rest was history.
1: First of all, what nice brothers. I mean, <laughs> really? Like what, were they in their 20s already and saw you had great potential or, or um, were they just good guys?
0: They were just great guys and to today, They are my biggest advocates. They were older brothers uh, and my best friends. Uh, They really have stuck by me. And without them, I I certainly wouldn't be uh, where I am now. And believe it or not, they were so much older than me that when we were growing up, uh, my parents actually didn't allow my brothers to play sports. Uh, My parents were kind of old fashioned. I had one brother that was two years older than me that did play football, but the ones that I'm referring to were several years older and really didn't even play sports. So I guess in a way I was kind of living out their dream as well. As yeah.
1: It oh, that's that's a great story. So University of Houston, I believe you were co-captain of um, the Lady Cougars, and um, did you have? Would you would you call your athletic career um successful, illustrious, illuminating? How would you describe that time in your life?
0: <laughs> uh, adventurous. Uh, I was a starter uh, until my senior year. I tore my Achilles and lost my starting position and had to earn it back. Um, but being in college, being here at the University of Houston, having a great coach and Coach Woodman and teammates, the whole experience, Julie, um, is what really created my interest in sports and wanting to work in sports. So we were successful. We had our big rivalries, the University of Texas um, at that time was the big rivalry in the schools in Louisiana, but it was a great experience overall. And the women athletes that I had the opportunity to get to know have
1: been my lifelong friends. fantastic. Now, did you go after you graduated um i mean when you think back on those four years and you know you're eighteen to twenty two and you know when when any of us, whether we're athletes or not, are eighteen to twenty two we aren't really thinking about development. We're thinking about graduating, about playing, about just surviving um and so when you look back you know, from then forward, when would you say that first inkling of interest in development of athletes first reared its head?
0: Well, it probably uh, began when I was playing, Julie, at the University of Houston, because you know, as I looked around, I was, a, you know, I was a pretty good student. But when I graduated and got ready to make the transition to my first uh, career, which was teaching high school and coaching... I realized that there were several of my teammates that did not graduate, Mm -hmm. did not finish their degrees. And and, and over the years, as I thought back on that and reunited with some of them, I realized that I recognized this when I graduated, even though I took off onto my career uh, and started doing the things that I was doing sort of on the fast track, but starting even then and recognizing later, the need to have someone really uh, work with athletes And help us to develop outside of the sport. Probably began then.
1: You know, that's I want to stop on that for a minute because we a lot of times those moments, those ah ahas that inform the rest of our careers, we can trace it back to way way early. Like I remember my first job out of college. I'm 22 years old and I know nothing about the world. And one of my coworkers, he'd been there six months longer than I had. He actually was complaining constantly about how much he hated his job after six months. And I remember at 22 thinking, why are you still here? And that has been sort of my lifelong journey is why do people stay in jobs they hate? And I can trace that back to when I was 22, that coworker of mine, he has no idea to this day how he influenced me, but I thought what a terrible way to live, to be 22, 23 years old and already hate your job. And fast forward, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I found out he ended up staying there for like 30 years, probably miserable every single day. So the fact that you look back to your college years and, you know, as young Janice, you recognize the need even back then.
0: Absolutely, I did. And that's one of the great things, Julie, um, that sports really does for you. It gives you... Uh, some exposure, uh, gives you a platform, you get to travel, you get to know coaches, you're in sort of a position to where you can experience the world, unlike other students. And I think that opened my eyes and it also exposes you to mentors, right? And so Mm -hmm. a lot of my mentors uh, have been coaches. When I think about my first teaching job, my first coaching job, uh, my mentors were my head basketball coach. My head volleyball coach, and so looking at those individuals also inspired me and opened my eyes to what they were doing. And Julie, they were passionate. Coaches love what they do, and so those were my role models. In seeing that, and and, and you're right, I've never experienced a situation in my life where I've had a job or a position, you know, that that I've hated.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm very fortunate, actually. What
1: a miserable uh, way to live it must be. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Really, yeah. So you so so you went on. You got um, you, you got your bachelor's degree. Then you went. Um, did you go straight to Michigan State? Actually, no. I got my bachelor's degree and I got my first teaching job. Okay. Uh, in Houston Independent
0: School District. I was a mid-year graduate, which was kind of interesting and a little bit of a struggle when you graduate in December because where are you going to find a job? But being a December grad, I applied all over Houston and ended up in the Houston Independent School District teaching and coaching tennis. Oh, And so I was in HISD for one semester. And then the school where I had done my student teaching in Baytown, about 30 miles east, called me and had a position there teaching health, coaching, JV, basketball, um, and volleyball. So the following year, I went to Baytown and was there for three years and coached and taught uh, in that school district before then leaving to go to graduate school the first time at Michigan State to get my master's in counseling.
1: Did you have a winter coat? I did not.
0: (laughs) I had a brother who lived in Michigan.
1: Okay, Uh, Those brothers that I mentioned to you who had been
0: there quite a while. And so we knew a little bit about Michigan because we had visited him and he had visited uh, me when I was an undergrad, so I very quickly adjusted uh, to the Midwest. So it was fine.
1: You're doing, you know, when you look at your bio, you're you're doing all these things to build out your skill set, but all in the same lane, you know, um, counseling, mentoring, teaching, coaching, and which I love, and and you've got this. Um, You had some roles that were focused on minority affairs. You've done some things that focus on women. Um, But in general, it's all in that one wide lane of athlete development. So take us to how you got from the college world, the high school, the college world, to the NBA, to the quote-unquote big time, um, because I've got a lot of questions about that. But what was that moment in which you said – You know, I think I can take this bigger. I think I can take this to pro sports. Did they find you or did you find them or how did that happen?
0: Great. I love talking about the transition, Julie, because now as a part of the career coaching that I do, I share my story. Yep. Why my transition has made me such a great career coach now. Because for the first time, I actually feel and experience what it's like to make a transition. And until I actually went through these myself, (laughs) <laughs> Can I really relate to what we had been telling athletes for years? So I'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, but my first transition was from secondary schools, as you mentioned, in coaching um, into higher ed and athletics administration. So after a few years of coaching in high school, I was so passionate about coaching and sports that I wanted to do more. I wanted to engage more in the athletic world, but I didn't really know how, um, how to do that. So the so the idea of uh, finding out you know what's out there. So my segue really from secondary education into higher ed athletics administration was through the NCAA. I was an NCAA intern actually in the fourth year, uh, the fourth class of that program, which is now um, you know known worldwide and across the nation. So being an NCAA intern and spending time at the national office, which was then. Um, in Kansas and Overland Park, it is there where I was exposed to academic counseling and academic advising. And having had uh, a degree in counseling, um, you know, and thinking about what I could do in education, that's where that my aha moment. And I transitioned from secondary education, knowing what was available in higher ed and athletics administration. So I would say that was my first aha moment, being exposed to what else I could do. With my degree, and with my passion, um, and in my interests. So fast forward, um, as you indicated, you know, working uh, as an academic advisor, North Carolina uh, ended up at Houston, you know, working there as associate athletic director, and then the transition to the NBA actually came after I returned to Michigan State and finished my PhD, which I had started years before because my ultimate career goal at that time had been to be a a public school superintendent. So during these these years of transition between secondary education and uh, the NCAA, I was continuing to do work towards my PhD in educational administration. So eventually I got to the point where I wanted to finish that. Uh, My time was about running out. And so I went back to East Lansing, finished the PhD, did my research study. And that's when the opportunity I had to go back to North Carolina the second time as Associate Athletic Director. I worked in student athlete development. And while there, uh, after a few years, the NBA position uh, became open or available. So when the NBA started the Development League in 2001, they were actually looking for someone with uh, an educational uh, sports background like mine to really develop the model program for then was called the D-League, or the Development League. It is now called the G-League, or the Gatorade League. And so I was fortunate to have that kind of background um, that they were looking for, because the D-League, when it was created by Commissioner Stern at that time, uh, was, the, was sort of the um, experimental ground for the NBA. They knew that, for example, the players in the Development League would not all make it to the NBA. So they really wanted to create a model curriculum, not only for the players, but also for the staff and for the coaches uh, to work towards positions at the NBA level. So that second aha moment was the transition from college athletics to the NBA and having the opportunity to continue to grow and develop professionally uh, to work with, obviously, the, uh, the greatest sports league uh, in the world uh, to learn from a business perspective, but also to take my skill set to the professional level was exciting to me. Uh, It was interesting to me, and I was fortunate uh, to be selected to come uh, and create that program for the NBA.
1: So when you look back on that move, and what was the biggest surprise about that move, something you didn't expect?
0: Hmm... I think the the biggest surprise was just understanding uh, the dynamics of professional sports and knowing that it was a business, but not really understanding um, the breadth and width of business or the business of sports and how it actually impacted the athletes. Um, The athletes, not only from their personal development uh, in, in the sport of basketball, as you know, there are younger players that come into the league. Yeah. From eighteen and nineteen, and that rule has changed a little bit, you know, over the fifteen years that I was at the NBA. But understanding sort of that transition and the impact on the product, if you will, mm-hmm. or the athlete was very eye opening.
1: So you know, we, the, the NCAA, you know, amateur, blah, 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 but we all know that it's, it's somewhat of a business, but the NBA is business in capital letters. How did that affect your ability to do your job?
0: Well, for one, it gave me um, some more information that I could use um, as, a, as a career development person, as a staff developer. It gave me a piece of information that I could use in terms of trying to educate the athletes in terms of what their responsibilities were coming into a business. It it helped me to understand what they were going to experience and make that a part of my interactions, to make that a part of my uh, counseling, to make that a part of my and our department's transition. So that when we talked with the athletes, for example, Uh, not only about personal and professional development, continuing their education, identifying different careers, we could also understand that where their focus was, for example, in the first couple of three years was really getting another contract, okay, getting a second contract. And so understanding the business and understanding contracts helped us to communicate and relate to them that they could understand that we were working with them not only for their personal development but for their, their business development and for their brand. So it helped us to help them to connect their responsibilities, their roles now as quote-unquote professionals, okay, even though they were coming into an industry 18 and 19 and 20 years old, uh, that we could we could demonstrate that we understood, you know, their responsibilities to do community events. And we could talk about the business of basketball to them to help them understand and to help their adjustment uh to the business and to their expectations so extremely uh, beneficial knowing and understanding the business understanding the different constituents all of the different folks from agents to families uh, to sponsorships to marketing and all of those things made us integral in our department being player development at the nba integral not only to the athletes and their families but to all the other constituents and customers.
1: I would imagine, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, because I've worked with athletes as well, and it's that um, th- they get pulled on by so many factions, and you just listed all of them. Um, and here you are, you know, you're in this for athlete development. And not only are you trying to help them with today, but you're also trying to help them think past today in an environment where all the effort is on getting a contract for one more year or prolonging their career. And here you are, you know, so there's like this focus on, I've got to put all my efforts on today. And here your department is saying, yeah, I I get that. But I also want you to think about the best decisions for you, your family, your life, your health, etc., beyond just what goes on on the court today, yet you're inside of an institution that is a massive business. There had to be some moments of conflict there.
0: You know, I've always said that sports is a, is, is a conflict, right? Uh, even at the college level, I've always said that it's, a, it's an inherent conflict, okay, in academics and athletics, even at the college level. Uh, when you look at the professional uh, level, I don't know how much it is a conflict. It's the reality of the the career decision. And so in any industry, uh, whether it be sports or others, there's always decisions that you're going to have to make, whether they are ethical decisions, right? Or whether there are decisions about your livelihood or kind of your beliefs and your values. And so when you are at a professional level or in a professional industry or business organization or institution, there are always going to be those decisions uh, that have to be made by the folks either running the organization or those who are employees and who are a part
1: of it. That's that's so, so true, and I love, what I love about the, the the tapestry of your career is how you have, how that mindset has helped you successfully navigate really some very, very different culturally. Um, I mean, I would imagine, I mean, the NCAA versus the NBA. Um, and, and it's also, I mean, sports is still male-dominated. And I would imagine the NBA uh, has uh, very much a uh, boys' club um, culture to it. And, you know, you you've been able to successfully navigate all of it. But so my question is, in which role or situation, as you look back through your career or you look around yourself now, do we find the best version of Janice Hilliard?
0: Wow. Which, which role do we find the best version? Best
1: version. Where are you, your absolute best man, where you are just on fire?
0: I am on fire in, I would say, in two areas, in two places. And this is both college and professional. And one, the first is the interactions with the athletes themselves. And that takes place in different situations. You know, at the college level, obviously you have a lot more one-on-one access with the student athletes when you're heading up those programs, as I did at, at Houston and also at North Carolina, because you see those athletes in a structured setting. At the professional level, um, because of the programs and services that you have at the at the league level and even at the team level, you don't see and interact with the athletes in person as much. And so you have to be much more creative in terms of how you visit with them, uh, the time that you're spending with them when you're delivering programs and services. But I absolutely felt the best when I was in New York, Julie, was when I was out there at the teams, uh, at the team meetings, uh, at the games, meeting Uh, with players, their families, at their events in the summertime and building those relationships and helping them to see the advantage and the services and the resources that were at the league office that were available to them to help them now uh, and to plan for the future, meeting all of the folks that influenced them. So anytime I was uh, in the presence of the athletes themselves and their uh, significant others and their influencers That made me excited. So I think at one point they estimated that I was traveling about 60% of the time uh, when I was at the NBA at the height of my career. And I love that, I love New York, but being out there where the players were in their families and in their circle, that's when I was at my best. And I think the other is when I had the opportunity to to be creative, to create programs, uh, to create training, Uh, and development platforms for staff at the league and at the team levels, when I could create, uh, take the knowledge and information I knew about athletes, having been an athlete myself, and then create a training platform uh, for our team player development directors or or create a a training guide to bring that knowledge and information to them, to help them, to help their players um, that, that they work with. So I think in those two spaces, uh, is what I really, uh, really enjoyed and, and when I was at my best.
1: Great. So I'm going to put a magic wand in your hand. Um, if you could wave it at, over professional sports, all professional sports, and make one addition or change to how they look at athletes and the whole concept of development, what would it be? Hmm.
0: If I could wave my wand and say, what would that be? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, not only the NBA, but I've had the opportunity to interact with and have colleagues at all of the other sports leagues as well, you know, NFL and NHL and and MLB. I actually think they do a really good job um, in terms of helping athletes, uh, particularly at the NBA, because I've been there, transition uh, into the league, try and promote their development while they're there through the services, through the resources. Uh, and, I, and I think we're we're forward thinking across the sports leagues for the most part. Uh, what could make them better? You know, how can they be better prepared? I don't know. I guess I would say, Julie, since I've had the opportunity to work in college athletics and to be able to create those relationships uh, between the two entities at the professional and college level, I guess I would say just to continue to increase communication and collaboration Um, at the college level uh, with those individuals who work with them uh, prior to getting to the sports level, because I think that that's a benefit. And those are some examples that we saw in working with basketball as we reached out to our college uh, constituents and colleagues. We were able to learn more about what they needed um, as athletes coming into the league, and we were able to learn more about what they had already experienced so that we could kind of close that gap Mm -hmm. in their transition.
1: Yeah. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. So because you worked for the NBA in New York and everyone's always so fascinated with professional sports, do you have any um, fun stories you can tell Tell us about your time at the NBA? Maybe a, a memory or a moment? You don't have to share names, but anything that um, is, a, is a real fond memory for you of your time there, of where you know for sure you made a real impact on somebody?
0: Sure. Absolutely. Well, well first off, you know, when I first went to the NBA, we had our, our orientation in HR, and uh, the first person I met, of course, was Commissioner Stern. And so my first impression and excitement was when he shook my hand and I told him who I was. He said, "I already know who you are." And he rolls out my background, and I was very uh, impressed and just so that's that started out my uh, you know my tenure.
1: Oh, um, yeah.
0: And uh, having worked with the development lead guys. Uh, In the first two years, before I segue and started working with NBA teams and players, I did all of the development league uh, programming myself. So I got to know all of those uh, players over those teams in the the first couple of years. And to this day, I still mentor those guys. Uh, I spoke with one this week who are making career transitions. And I see the impact that I've made on those players Mm -hmm. who played in the NBA, but most didn't in the D-League. And I look at their careers today and I'm so excited to have a relationship with them and still be a part of their their life. You know, I'm I'm a fan because I'm a basketball player myself. And so my my favorite moments were, I guess, a couple. You know, one was having the opportunity to travel internationally uh, with teams that I was assigned to and building those relationships again and seeing those players then and now. I, I remember traveling uh, with the Warriors in 2008 uh, to China, you know, and seeing the, uh, the Great Wall for the first time. I, I remember uh, being in Berlin, I think in 2014 with the Spurs and traveling with Memphis to Spain, right? And, and being in those situations and environments where you're developing relationships with players and, and their families, those that have lasted and, and several players who, Julie, no longer are in the league or weren't in the league that long. But who are out there now that played overseas that I still have relationships with and I follow them on LinkedIn and see the kinds of things they're doing and have the opportunity to support and follow their events today. You know, those are the great experiences then um, and and now. And then the other fun one, I guess I would say, was always All Star. Okay. Mm -hmm. All Star, even though, you know, we were there primarily for support, for education, for our programs and events, but that's where you actually are in the room with all the stars, right? At mm-hmm. one time, and so you're getting to experience that atmosphere with them and continue to build and develop those relationships. And those were actually just the great fun times. So it's being a part of their experience, uh, their transition, and even after the fact. Um, and at one point, I, I think I was responsible for for working with ten teams at one point. So in my tenure, I've probably worked with you know, two-thirds or more uh, of the teams. And that was just exciting for me overall.
1: You know, what's interesting is in everything you talk about, your themes, your threads are all the same. It's human connection, development, and really pouring into someone's life. And it's so, you're right, it's so satisfying because not only have you made a difference in the lives of the people you've touched, but also the ripple effect on their families and how they will pass down the mentoring and the advice and the coaching you've given them to others in their world, to their kids, et cetera. And that's um, that's that's a nice warm and fuzzy feeling, isn't it?
0: Oh, I just, you know, I love what I do. I'm, I'm so passionate uh, about it. I have been from the beginning. And it's true that a lot of that comes from having been a student athlete. And that's why now in the work that I do, uh, not only with former women student athletes, but, but even male student athletes, you know, through our event, through the coaching, uh, the excitement and the passion and the motivation that you want to see them do the kinds of things that I've been blessed and fortunate to be able to do. The great mentors that I've had, the great leaders, the great guides and, and the network that I've created, uh, I want to see that for them and that is my passion and has really helped me uh, in my transition if you will, and in my transformation into what I'm doing now.
1: And tell us what you're doing now.
0: Well, great. In 2016, <laughs> uh, at the end of that year, I did transition from the MBA. I started my company a year later, Hilliard Solutions, which is here in, in Houston, Texas. And and one of the things that led to that transition is that after 15 years, I still felt like there were things that I wanted to accomplish personally and professionally uh, in my life. I didn't know what was that? I worked in high school athletics, college level, professional level, uh, and had been very successful. But there were things that I still wanted to do in my life. you know. And each year I'd say, when am I going to do it? What is that going to be? I wanted to teach. You know, I wanted to uh, be a consultant. I wanted to do some research. I wanted to write and publish. And how can I do those things uh, in the remainder of my career? And that kind of led to my transition Uh, In terms of how was I going to do that and when was I going to do that? So that really led to my starting Hilliard Solutions, uh, which has been a great uh, experience for me. And so I wanted to really continue to do the kinds of work that you mentioned earlier that I have been doing my whole career, which is professional development of athletes uh, and folks who work with them through training, um, through consulting with colleges and universities and, and sports organizations who are interested really in developing their athletes. So whether that be through curriculum and programming and design or professional development of folks who work with athletes. And that has kind of evolved into career coaching. So those are really the three platforms that we focused on in Hilliard Solutions um, since I've made the transition. And as a result of that uh, came our event, the Women and Athlete Development Symposium, the networking event, which we're really excited about. And that brings together um, women sports leaders from around the country both at the professional level and at the college level, Uh, just colleagues of mine that I've had my whole career who are like me, interested in sharing their passion with other women who are interested in careers in athlete development, student athlete development. And so we're really excited to have our second event uh, coming up next month, Uh, actually, at the University of Florida. We've partnered with the Laboratory for Athlete Development Research, LADR, there at UF, Uh, to put together a research consortium in athlete development for the first time uh, and a symposium April 5th and 6th to bring together, again, women who are interested in how do we get into this growing field? Uh, How do we advance in this field? And what are the other alternative careers um, in this industry for women, so we're excited to provide uh, that opportunity. For them.
1: So I would imagine your plan is to continue having events like this as long as you have Hilliard Solutions bringing people together, and you will have those on your website, HilliardSolutions.com.
0: You're absolutely right. If you go there uh, and take a look, not only will you see this event, but you'll see the other things that we're involved in um, with you know with our company, and so we're excited to also. Uh, showcase women who are in this field, like myself, who have made this transition. And if you go there uh, for this particular year, you'll see outstanding uh, leaders from athletics directors to uh, folks who are working in the field to women who have transitioned from working in student-athlete development to starting their own, you know, their own businesses.
1: I love the focus on obviously, because of what I do, I love any focus on human development. But this is an area that I think has been so um, underserved. And so um, there just needs to be more focus on it. Because the assumption that, oh, you're getting this great education, we don't need to develop you. Well, you know, that's I I, I think we see see, uh, evidence all around us that that is not true. Um, So I love the fact that you took the risk to step away from a very high profile and very sexy position to the world and um, said, you know what, I'm going to take this on. I'm going to do this my way. So uh, yay for you.
0: Well, thank you. You know, it's been a labor of love. Um, It really, it really has. And we talk about transition and I mentioned earlier, you know, transition is scary. Um, It can be frightening. And even though I, I knew what I wanted to do, I had no idea how to do it. Mm-hmm. And worked with the NBA for years, as I mentioned, in higher education and athletics. And I, I, but I really didn't know it was scary. Yeah, it was frightening, particularly at this stage in my career. And each year, I would say, if there are things that I want to accomplish to continue with my passion, I'm going to need to do this. And and frankly, Julie, and this is one of the things that I talk about in my career coaching with my clients uh, to overcome that fear. My network. I cannot say enough about the network that I was fortunate to develop, not only at the NBA and college athletics as well, and those were the people that I called upon. You know, I reached out to those individuals and said, hey, I need help. Uh, I know what I wanna do, but I don't know how to do it. Who do I talk to? And those folks were not only in my sports network, but they were in branding, they were in education. They were professors like Dr. Sagets, uh like Dr. C. Keith Harrison, who was at UCF, Dr. Sagas, who was at the University of Florida, I had this network of academics as well as folks in athletics and sports, and they, Julie, helped me um, to make this transition to give me that confidence and supporting me today, and that's why I'm so grateful uh, for those women who are part of our uh, Women in Athlete Development Supposing and Networking event, because they are a part of my network, they are a part of Hilliard Solutions. And the women that come out to our event become a part of our network at Hilliard Solutions, so that we can pay it forward to them as others have paid it forward to us.
1: You know, you you make a great point. Um, You don't have to do it alone. Whatever your transition is, I think we get so caught up in, I have to have all the answers. I don't want to bother anybody and ask for help. Yet- you don't first of all you don't get anywhere worth going without a little bit of fear up front and the help of others and you've got to take that step and start reaching out to people who can either give you advice, resources, support, encouragement, a kick in the seat of the pants, whatever it is you need to get moving.
0: Well, you're absolutely right and like I mentioned, uh, it's scary, you know, even yeah. for himself who who is just, you know, had the opportunity to work at great places. work for great people, to have that network around me, uh, even for myself. And that, again, is what I can pour into others. And what I learned is that, Julie, it's it's all kinds of support and network. Uh, Again, not only those in sports, but two of our sponsors this year, who are inaugural sponsors of our event, are folks who were not my colleagues, you know, when I worked in the field. College wellness programs Um, is one of our sponsors, which we're excited about. Uh, It's uh, an organization that provides mental health education programs and resources for athletes. Um, And so Betsy Cutler has developed uh, a mobile app that provides services to athletes and resources. Um, And so we partnered up. And that has been a great outreach for me from a business perspective to add resources and services to these athletes and folks who work with them. Athlete Transition Services uh, has been another uh, important connection for me in business-wise. Uh, athlete Transition Services, they help athletes transition into life uh, after sports through their next season workshops. So they're out there providing workshops at the college level. So these two sponsors, in addition to the network, have also been just really, really valuable to the cause overall. So we're that's,
1: Yeah, that. that's great. So So all these things we've talked about about you. You you are highly accomplished. You are highly credentialed. You are been highly successful. Tell me about a low point in your career.
0: Hmm, and we all have them, right?
1: (laughs) We do, and I think it's really important to talk about them. We are honest. We all have them, you know. And if we are realistic, and and I
0: will tell you the whole the high and the low are probably mixed in together. And and I'll tell you why the low is probably what it is. And that was that transition I made from the NBA into developing Hilliard Solutions. And I say that it was low because I indicated earlier, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was going to do and how to do it. Um, and that was that caused a lot of uh, fear and anxiety and insecurity. Okay, and, and not knowing what to do with the networks that I had and not being sure, am I making the right decision at this point in my career? You know what I mean? Is mm-hmm.
1: it- Self-doubt, it, yeah, everything. Is it too late. Um, you know,
0: people will say I'm crazy. You know, as they said that I was crazy when I left North Carolina to come to Houston. It's like, why would you go there? You know, well, Houston was my alma mater where I had played, where I wanted to give back to the student athletes um, where I had come from. So so I think that low part was insecurity, Julie, and mm-hmm. um, in fear of the unknown um, and, and trying to be realistic about where was I going and how was I going to get there. But knowing within my heart that my passion and what I really wanted to do, uh, that I needed to take that step and had enough faith um, and belief in myself that I could do it. But, but moving through that passageway is always tricky, and again, you know, because of my networks, because of my family, uh, because of my relationships, and because of my faith, uh, I was able to get through that low point, which transitioned into a high point. You know, and once we took off with Hilliard Solutions, and it's continuing to grow, and I'm just so fortunate and thankful. Even with you, you know, reconnecting after all these years, when I think you were
1: at Lee Healthcare. I was, yeah.
0: Yeah, we started a career transition program, a uh, pilot program when I was at the NBA. And believe it or not, I got to tell you that one of those players who was in that program is an assistant coach now at one of the NBA championship teams. And awesome. And he's still one of my uh, mentees.
1: Yes. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, now we've come to the t- the part of the podcast where we play my favorite game, two questions, one deep and one shallow. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right. Here's your shallow one first. What personality trait has gotten you in the most trouble?
0: Perfectionism.
1: Okay. How has it gotten you in trouble? Uh, because I tend to try to
0: cross all my T's and dot all my I's. And um, sometimes it, it causes me to to be perceived as not being able to make decisions fast enough.
1: Ah, okay. Okay. Great answer. All right. What lesson in life did you learn the hard way?
0: Hmm. I learned the hard way that you can make mistakes and you can get over them if you don't dwell on them.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that. Fantastic. Okay. Now, how, again, let's remind our listeners, how do we learn more about you and your organization?
0: Okay, excellent. Well, thank you. Uh, First, I think you mentioned you can go to hilliardsolutions.com and check out what we're doing there, not only with the event, uh, but all the other things that are happening and that I'm involved in. You can follow us on Twitter at Hilliard, H I L L I A R D S O L U T I, the number one, and follow us on Instagram at Hilliard Solutions. And you can also follow us on Facebook. At Athlete Empowerment Zone.
1: Fantastic! I will be doing all of that and more, Janice. Thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful reconnecting with you, and um, I absolutely love your career, girl. You have done it right, and I give you all the props in the world. Um, you know, for your fearlessness, your willing to, willingness to take on um, some really, really important but difficult challenges and uh, do it with grace in class and um, showing us all, you know, really how to do it the right way. So I really appreciate your time today.
0: And I appreciate you and and all the things that you have done in your career and for this opportunity just to talk about my transition, what I'm doing, and how I can help and support others, whether they're in sports or not. So thank you for this opportunity, and and I look forward to us uh, staying in contact
1: uh, in the future. We will. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed meeting the Evolved Careerist on today's episode, well, we've got a lot more lined up for you. Subscribe, tell your friends, rate us and write a review. And of course, follow us on social media. But if you're interested in learning more about how you can evolve your career, you can contact us through theevolvedcareer.com or thebaukegroup.com, and that's B-A-U-K-E. Do you know somebody who'd be a great guest, who has a great career story to tell? Or do you think you qualify? then email me. My email address is in the podcast description. Until next time, here's to your career happiness.